if you're watching this, raise your hand if you, you know, failed fishing tests. Well, I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> and I even got contacted by a security team back then and said, hey, <laughs> why did you? Just happened. I really thought it was HR. Couldn't help it. Just didn't check all the, ch all the checks and balances. Can happen. Welcome to the DevSec for Scale podcast, the show that makes security a first-class citizen for growing companies. My name is Jeremy Hest, Head of Developer Relations at Aquilas, the secrets management SaaS platform. Welcome back, everyone, to the DevSec for Scale podcast. With me for the third time in our three-part series about secrets management is Yaron Williamson, and he is the OWASP project lead uh, for the Wrong Secrets project. Uh, you should definitely look that up if you haven't already seen our previous or listened to our previous episode or episodes. You'll find in the links there and you'll find in the show notes for this one as well. Uh, and so, Dhirun, we've discussed everything from sort of the basics of secrets management and trends and OWASP stuff, um, you know, the top 10, for example. We talked more in detail about the Wrong Secrets Project and how you're helping developers understand where their secrets are, how they're stored, what they're doing wrong, how they can figure out what they're doing wrong in order to make things safer in the future. Let's talk a little bit more zoomed in, you know, in terms of, you know, how do we bring all of this stuff together that we've learned about, you know, everything you've done from, you know, the OWASP Wrong Secrets Project down through, you know, how people can distill all this information, you know, where do you get started with secrets management? So where do you get started? This might sound a little bit weird, but let's take two steps back. If you want to know why secrets management is important, we, we've shown so many examples in the wrong secrets project, but these are just examples from things that were important to other people in life. Those might not be important to you as a listener. So um, instead, Let's try to do a threat model exercise yourself um, and ask yourself, what are the risks for my applications, my landscape, my services, my company, and also for your private secrets management, what are the risks you are afraid of if it comes to identity, et cetera, et cetera, um, uh, that you might want to get control over? Um, so what is a secret to you? Once, so, so once you know what you want to have as a secret, then with the wrong secrets project, you can see all these different types of threats and misconfigurations and problems that can occur to actually, you know, show the secret. Um, and from there on, just continue um, and understand how to work with that based on the resources we'll also share after the podcast, I believe, right? The, the open SAM stuff and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what what is a secret to you is not necessarily a secret to me. Of course, I may think that it's not a secret, but I maybe wrong, right? I mean, talk about something that seems like, you know, banal piece of information, it could be a very important piece of information to any hacker. So we definitely have to keep in mind what information we want. And uh, one of the things that we actually talked about uh, earlier off camera was a little about, it doesn't really matter how many secrets you have. It, the point isn't to say, well, if I have a thousand secrets, I mean, that's so much information. I need to figure out where it belongs, who it belongs to, how to give access to it. But if you have a proper platform, a proper management tool to be able to deal with it, you can figure all that out. You set it all up 
correctly from the beginning. And it doesn't really matter how many secrets you have and how many you need to use. It just matters that you, you set it up properly with the right security and the right access roles and permissions. Exactly. And for that, it's, it's um, what can really be helpful is uh, have a look at the OWASP uh, Secrets Management Cheat Sheet because it shows some angles to start with. It also links to the uh, OWASP SAM project. Uh, and from there onwards, you'll find uh, hundreds of different resources you can dive into to get a feeling for, okay, how do I then manage these secrets? How can I make this scalable? There's not really a good or bad and how you do it, the only thing you have to keep in mind is the moment somebody has it on its computer, you lost. <laughs> so maybe there is a bad. <laughs> Unless, of course, you trust the person who has it on its computer and you are sure that he will never connect to the internet, never download malware, do something weird, never leave your company, etc. cetera. Um, never. Well, okay, so in that case, maybe just don't get it on the computer um, and start moving from there. Um, and, and, and let's just have a go with it. And again, you can't do this wrong. It's like a journey. Secrets management is something that continuously keeps on evolving. Um, so just start with understanding what is a secret to you and why. Once you're motivated enough, you can motivate the people around you to understand the why of why this is supposed to be a secret, you can move ahead. Um, there are a few blockers on the road ahead of you, by the way, because there will be people shouting in your face, this is not a secret. Why do you think this is important? So make sure you really understand the why. You can actually get common sense over that. Otherwise, the secrets management itself is not that hard. It's us, the people, that make this terribly difficult. It's always the humans. It's always the humans. So that brings us to you know, the next point. You know, defaults are always sort of, you know, a lot of times people just say, well, all right, well, whatever setup that they give me, it must be that it's pretty secure, right? I mean, Whoever's giving me this tool, whoever's setting, setting, helping me set this up, I know that their configuration is going to be solid, right? But we probably shouldn't just trust the default. So what do you think would be a, an easy and recommended setup if you wanted to do some work, uh, you know, compute online and, and manage secrets? Unfortunately, it starts with RTFM. Um, and that's that's tough because uh, let's assume you're 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 you have a beautiful cloud provider platform in use. Um, well, good look of all the docs that come with there in their uh, security sections very often, uh, but you do have to go through them first um, because many of these things are built in a way that it's easy to use, um, but not necessarily that it's secure the way you want it to be. Um, so start with reading. Just continue reading until you get a feeling for I understand what's happening. If you don't feel you understand what's happening, contact your provider if you have support or go to open source fora or to uh, something like OWASP Slack and just ask the questions you're unsure of. Um, and don't worry, you're not the only one. The first time I read some of those docs, I was like, wait, what? And then it still took me four months later to realize for some of these documents that, oh, we always forgot to implement option X. Oh, that's why this is so open. Oops. <laughs> That's completely normal. Um, embrace it um, and work at it and ask people to validate after once you've chosen the right options. And, and this unfortunately holds for almost every secrets management platform because everybody wants you to start quickly, get productive, not necessarily be as secure as you might want to be. Um, for those who are listening right now and feel like, uh, yeah, but we are not, we're not a bank. We don't need bank-grade security. We don't need military-grade security. We just want the secret to be tossed out somewhere else than the rest of the stuff. That can be genuinely fine as well. At the other end, 
um, if you create something uh, uh, and or or you keep track of data of other people because of reasons, um, you don't want that data to leak either, just as much as a bank doesn't want to do that. So you might want to consider still reading those docs <laughs> and just see for how far you want to go. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, trust no, trust none of the things, I guess, right? Uh, and don't even, sometimes don't even trust yourself, right? Trust the that you have at least enough of a base to start. And then from there, do your own, try to break into your own uh, your own environments, uh, find your own secrets, find your own bugs and problems, and then ask other people to validate them as well and find new ones, things that you haven't, and keep going from there. Exactly. That's as easy as it, well, not as easy. It's just a continuous process. And if you don't stop the process, uh, it will always remain easy because you'll be able to move with baby steps uh, and then run and then eventually fly. Um, and if you then, again, by the way, see other people ask similar questions in the fora you started with, um, please be a lady or a gentleman and answer them. They, they can really use your help. We all can use each other's help in this field. It's just as easy as that. Absolutely. And the safest way to keep something is to keep nothing, right? <laughs> definitely is. Definitely is. So, um, for instance, if you look at Wrong Secrets, if we go a little bit back in that project, um, uh, we... Um, uh, are trying to use almost all the different type of secrets uh, storage solutions that you probably uh, could use if it comes to the cloud vendor uh, or if it comes to Kubernetes and later we'll do the same thing with Nomad and stuff like that. Um, and the mistakes configured over there were actually mistakes we found in the wild. So if you do something wrong, quote unquote, um, don't feel bad about it because you're not the first one. Don't worry, okay? It, just rotate the secret and start over. That That's basically it. So like we said earlier, I think in, in episode one, make sure it's, you can rotate your thing. If you really need to have the secret, make sure you can rotate it. If you can't, um, then think about why you do it the way you do it. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> that reminds me of an interesting thing I, I remembered about when I was doing a little bit of work with um, AWS KMS when you try to rotate uh, an encryption key on AWS, it doesn't just rotate the key. It actually creates a new one with the same key information and just a new, and you you rotate it by the alias. That was a new one for me. I'm, I mean, I'm sure people listening know this for a long time, but that was one that kind of got me. It was like, really? You have to actually just totally create a new ID and then put the same key information into that new ID. That's a new one. Um, but all right, everyone, you know, has their own way of doing it. And this is, this is what they have for now. Um, so getting back to a little bit more about secrets management, obviously secrets management in runtime is very well known. We need to push secrets into pods, for example, in Kubernetes, things like that. But we sometimes miss the idea of the CICD and how important that is. I mean, we obviously know you, you need a CICD pipeline these days. I mean, DevOps just makes sense. But where should people start when talking about secrets management specifically for their CICD pipelines? So let's go back to, so before I answer your question, uh, I, first of all, I love the question because CICD is pretty um, difficult and we'll find out together in a moment, I guess, why. 
Um, but let's start with a treadmill, shall we? Always. All right, cool. So what are we afraid of? We're afraid of that whatever we try to protect um, gets leaked. This is very abstract. Let's, let's make this concrete. Okay, we have a Kubernetes cluster somewhere and we need to connect to an AWS account. And over there, we got tons of data and we just need to work with that. All right, let's, let's try that way. Right. Um, so um, AWS keys are currently a secret that the CI/CD needs to, for instance, inject into the pod. Well, shall we try to use that as a starting point? Yeah. All right, cool. So um, what do we want to make sure of is if, if we go back a little bit and think a little bit about the risks. Let's assume an employee um, has access uh, to those keys eventually. There's a few things he could do with the keys. For instance, he could, let's say, delete all the data in that account uh, because, hey, if I'm not making enough money, you shouldn't either, boss. Or um, we have a um, uh, we have that person having access to the key, and it's just overly scoped in terms of the account he get access to. And he's like, "If I'm not getting paid enough, let's make AWS pay us." As in, hey, let's install a few crypto miners or a few other things that can make money for us. Um, and there's also other things like, um, "Hey, if I'm gone with this job." I would like to know what happens with my data. So why shouldn't I keep that AWS key with me from here onward? Uh -huh. um, so all that doesn't really sound really well, um, but, but that's of course far-fetched risks, right? So how do we get there? You need to get access to the keys. Um, and I think there's about three ways in the CSD system how you can get access to those. Um, the first one is obviously if it's some sort of variable stored within the CICD system itself. Uh, right, whether it's an obfuscated variable or an environment variable or whatever. For instance, uh, GitLab and GitHub both have this idea of, so I think GitHub has secrets and just normal variables, but you can still, of course, get access to those if you have the right rights. And GitLab has something like uh, job variables or something, which can be obfuscated and limited. But hey, if you have access, you have access. You know, you can still just get them. Um, so let's assume we, so that's the first trap factor. Uh, the second one will be, of course, is um, a job that, of course, needs the secrets, uh, but needs to have access to the secret. So what do we can do with the job? Well, we can make it echo the secret because, hey, echo is just a command, right? But we could also, if, if, if other people are looking at the job logs and we don't want to, you know, be visible, we could also send it over to some other place. And now, the easiest thing to think is, of course, oh, yeah, they will send it over to a controlled entity somewhere else outside of my network. Well, it could also just be your S3 bucket where you guys as admins just have access to or your Google Drive account, your corporate Google Drive account, even so. Um, because um, it just needs to be a part where you have access to. Hmm. Okay, so th these will be like the threats, right? So you either have direct access or you echo it or or you uh, send it over. Make sense? Yep, absolutely. So where do you where do you start from there then? Now you have to talk about permissions and access, uh, making sure that you know not everybody has access to everything within, for example, an S3 bucket. Exactly. And and now it gets complicated because now how far do you want to go? So so let's start with uh Let's start with, with, with your CICD system. Let's limit access to the, from the developers to those environment variables, right? To those special secrets and stuff. Now, you might already hear some of the engineers in your team shouting, hey, I'm doing my job. 
well, they never have to see it, but hey, that's their way of thinking of freedom, maybe. So, um, well, here's human actor problem number one. It doesn't mean, mean that they want to have benign access, just the way they used to work. But let's assume we drop that down, right? We just, uh, I'm sorry, sir, you can do your job by letting the job run. So you don't already need this. Uh, have a great day. Um, sure. Okay. So now that's locked down. So now we can just echo it. Mm, okay. Because the job still has access, remember, so the job can just echo the secret or send it over. So most of these systems have these uh, masks for, uh, so, so GitLab, GitHub, and a few others have uh, secret masking when it's defined as a secret. So we just triple encode it and it's no longer masked. Hmm. Okay, so that didn't really work, did it now? By the way, that's also a challenge in wrong secrets, fun to have a look at. Um, at the same time, let's assume we don't echo it because, hey, everybody can see our job log. So everybody can see that we <laughs> we were baddies over there. All right, so we shouldn't do that. Um, so now we just silently send it over to something else. Now you could, of course, argue, oh, we can isolate our runners, firewall them, that they can never reach the internet. Eh, well, they still have to reach places within your network to do their job where the admin also has access to. Ooh, okay. Hmm. So let's assume we close that down, that it no longer has internet access, that we check our runner logs, et cetera, and we wish the best for double encoding and that, that nobody listens to this podcast and will never you know, try to double or triple encode their secret and get somewhere. Um, if you listen to this, by the way, it's your own risk to do this, blah, 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 yada, yada. Please inform your boss if it works or they can rotate the secret, blah, 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 yada, yada. Thank you. Um, so what do we do then, right? Then apparently we need to make something in between that has the secret where nobody has access to, like a... So the CICD system starts something else that does the work for us. And that then needs to be isolated. Holy crap, that's a lot of work. Um, now we need a Kubernetes cluster for the Kubernetes cluster to do their job. Uh, or, or, or at least a pod inside a namespace in your cluster to do some CICD work or whatever. And you have to authenticate everything. Yes, this now. Yeah. You get to this exact problem because now we need to secure the authentication means of whatever is going to do that workload. Because if we didn't do that right, we'll get access to that as well. And look, that's another secret. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. So it really boils down here to what is an acceptable risk to you as whoever is steering this um, or whatever is an acceptable risk to your boss. Uh, dear engineers, if you're listening to this, I know your security team sometimes can be. Um, like I am a pain in the bottom, um, apologies for that, but please ask them what is acceptable and work together towards whatever the acceptable risk is. Because it might very well be that the response might be, eh, if they double encode it and they really want to have it, let's make sure we rotate more often. We don't care. We don't want this complexity. We want you guys to go live yesterday. That could be the answer. The other answer could also be, oh, you're totally right. Here's your new backlog for the upcoming nine months that you have to work on. Well, at least you got a job then. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just check out what you need and 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 ask. And as a um, uh, as those who actually need to accept the risk, uh, uh, if you're listening to this podcast or if you're listening to engineers pointing you at this podcast, um, ask yourself what could really go wrong and am I willing to accept that or are there other ways to mitigate the fact that this is just one boily thing now last note about that and then I'll stop ranting um, is 
um, if you secured your CI/CD system in terms of access and whatever, uh, it should be the case that only your internal engineer, et cetera, have access to it. Aside if you're a public company creating public assets with a big CI/CD pipeline in terms of transparency, but that's not, you know, that's 99% of the people that might be listening to this might not be part of such a company. Um, so let's assume it is private stuff. Um, you might say, oh, but we only have 100 engineers having access to this, so it shouldn't hurt. And this specific case is only for five engineers. Um, that's true. But those five engineers can also click a phishing link and get backdoored and go to you. And they can say, oh, you should never click a phishing link. Um, if you're watching this, raise your hand if you, you know, feel phishing tests. Well, I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> and I even got contacted by a security team back then and said, hey, <laughs> why did you? Just happened. I really thought it was HR. Couldn't help it. Just didn't check all the, ch all the checks and balances. Can happen. Um, and then all of a sudden, that beautiful employee that does so much work for you to secure your stuff um, now became um, uh, an attack factor. Um, so, of course, we don't do this to scare you, to spread food, et cetera. But at least based on this, make an educated guess, because it's still a guess and an estimate of how much work you want to put in here. Because by now, I think we both... Um, Described this is an endless road <laughs> with lots of stuff we can secure in turtles upon turtles to, to secure the base keys. Um, but try to make that easy, basically. Let's start like most projects, right? Where you, you start from um, a, a base set of ideas and things that you want to cover. And once you get to that level where things are running properly and well, from there, close a little bit more you know, secure a little bit more as you go. And eventually you get to a point, I guess, where uh, from a business perspective, you are okay to now be in production. Uh, and once you get to that point, that is, I guess that for your threat model is acceptable enough. And you can still continue, of course, closing more gaps wherever they are, uh, but at least get to the point where you're ready for uh, production. Exactly. And make sure that MVP is as minimalistic as possible, like minimum viable product of your CI CD setup. Because after all, if we don't deploy your product to production, nobody's going to make money. <laughs> so before everybody now says like, oh, they just saw Kenneth 13 in wrong secrets, you really have to do all the complicated stuff they just described. Well, not calling it complicated because it's hard to sell, right? Um, let's start simple. Just put the stuff in, just make it run and you need to iterate because otherwise we as security often have to remember uh, if there's nothing in production, then there's no value and there's no reason for us security to even be there. So let's make sure we create value first and then secure it even more. Perfect. Now, the last question I'm going to ask you for this one, Jeroen, is how do we start getting a little bit more advanced with let's say multi-cloud secrets management, you know, generally we speak about like one, one provider, maybe adding Kubernetes, but now we're talking about various clouds that you have to deal with secrets for all of them. It's hard to keep them in one specific place. I mean, you have platforms for that, you have tools for that as well, but what are some ways to get started and resources that listeners could use to start thinking about that next level? I think unfortunately that's, Start with understanding the clouds you're running on. 
and understanding that the security model of each of the clouds is a bit different. Not completely different. It's not like um, uh, it's not like it's a whole different universe. It's just the patterns are a little bit different. So let's assume, for instance, you have Azure and AWS. So Azure Key Vault manage their secrets a little bit different and has access management done a little bit different than for instance AWS does. So make sure you first read up on that and understand the differences and understand which model you want to strive for. And make sure you, um, I would recommend trying to unify that in some sort of way so that both behave in a way that it's expected and that it becomes hard to make mistakes. Because if you both use them the way they are intended to be used, um, then eventually you make the mistake by giving somebody access to a lot more secrets than you're supposed to, um, which shouldn't be a problem when you rotate, blah, blah, blah. Um, but let's try, start to, try to automate, though. Try to automate things. Good point. Good point. Automate first. I'll see you later. Um, again, reading the docs for that will really help. Um, uh, and, and then see, like, okay, can we indeed, for instance, deploy it in one cloud and then synchronize to the other? Or can we have more like a unified secrets management solution, like a third party uh, solution that we could use that can be connected to both the cloud providers and then provide the secrets from their own work? Obviously, for some of the secrets, you might still need to use the cloud provider solution, but at least then understand the differences um, and keep everybody educated on those differences uh, and make sure you, um, yeah, again, unify as much as possible. Absolutely. So what are some of the resources that uh, you want to point some people to for sort of continued learning on secrets management? So there's a few things that can really help. Uh, also in the wrong, uh, there'll be of course at the end of the, uh, uh, in, in, the in the podcast notes, I, uh, I presume. Yep. There's absolutely. the, um, uh, there's the OWASP uh, uh, cheat sheet. Uh, on secrets management. There's also one on key management and a few others, and they can help you to uh, get a feeling for a few things also on CICD, actually. Um, and then really go through the cloud providers related secrets management documentation, like Azure Key Vault, uh, AWS Secrets Manager, and all these sort of things. If you're then in, um, if you're then running on something like AWS, have a look at the well-architected framework security pillar, because secrets are just, um, a small topic with lots of security layers around them to actually make this work. So you better read stuff around it as well. Uh, and then there's the OWASP SOM uh, entry on secrets management. Um, and of course, it's great to start over there, but also have a look at the rest of uh, uh, OWASP SOM because it really helps you to uh, understand the context again, you know, because all the layers of security around secrets management. If you're done with these, and you already have one of those secrets management platforms next to whatever you have, make sure you understand how it works. Um, I think that will be the great starting point. Oh, and let's not forget, um, we talked about CICD. Please read the docs <laughs> on your CICD setup and how you can you know, do the airbuck and the sort of things. Um, and uh, also read up on whatever you use for scheduling your workloads, whether that's Nomad or Kubernetes or, uh, um, Docker Swarm or whatever, just make sure you you read wherever you about whatever it is that hits your secret. Perfect. Well, Jeroen, this has been an adventure. Uh, three parts to this podcast series. 
really comprehensive about secrets management from everything from just talking about trends and where secrets management is going to wrong secrets and how the project helps developers every day to figuring out just where to get started and how to get more advanced. So I really appreciate all your time for this series. It's been fantastic for me. And uh, I'm, I'm sure our listeners have gained a lot of knowledge from them. So thank you for your time. And uh, as I say at the end of every podcast, stay secure. So thanks so much and have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. It was really a pleasure. Absolutely. Alrighty. Bye-bye.